On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's partners, The Sandbox, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities and live streams. Was I a guest on your podcast, Brad, because you kind of asked nicely? Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of effort. I really chased you down for like a really long time. I sent you a, a DM and you said yes. That was that was pretty much it. Oh, if I, if I had only known it was that easy, damn. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to hire him to be your co-host. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week, I personally feel, needs no real introduction. He is a spoken word poet, educator, TED speaker, author of one of only probably three books in my entire life that has ever made me cry, inventor, and just a generally awesome guy. He is the one and only What Teachers Make, Taylor Molly. How's it going? Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. So thank you for, so thank you. So thank you for having me. I, uh, I tend to, if I make a mistake, I just double down on that mistake. I, I go with it. So, so thank you. So thank you for having me, Mike. That's pretty and, much how I Brad. live my life, is by doubling down on my mistakes. <laughs> so, so this is, ex- this is exciting. Um, I, you know, Brad and I have talked about it a couple times, and we talked about it off air, but it's worth telling the story a little bit anyways, that um, when you were on Brad's previous podcast, and I saw that you were on Brad's previous podcast because, you know, I, I, you know, you pay attention to kind of who, who folks have on on their podcasts and stuff. And I was like, God damn it. That is that's a get because I, I was so jealous. Um, I am um, a huge fan. Thank first you. off. And and I'm I'm so happy to, to have, you know, Brad here so that Brad could. Then connect. This is this is all. It's all coming together. The master plan is is working. The and only I, real um, reason I'm here. And and I'm uh, I'm I'm was I on was I a guest on your podcast, Brad? Because you kind of asked nicely. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of effort. I really chased you down for like a really long time. I sent you a, a DM, and you said yes. That was that was pretty much it. Oh, if I, if I had only known it was that easy, damn! <laughs> you wouldn't have had to hire him to be your co-host, yeah. right? So, so Taylor, the I'm curious about the difference. So we've just you know 17 months still going um, through this pandemic, and we're we're certainly in the United States. You're experiencing you know, a massive fourth wave. So it doesn't look like it's going away anytime real soon, unfortunately. Um, we're experiencing a, 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 a small, much smaller wave. Our vaccine rates in Canada are quite a bit higher, um, but still, you know, seeing an upward trend. And, and so, you know, you were, your, your stock and trade was traveling a lot and, and you know, um speaking at events and doing sessions a lot of live teaching um on how to do do poetry and and now you're doing or had done in the past you know things like these little facebook um live events where you were you were reading for 30 40 people right so i'm i'm curious what what's the difference between connecting you know with audience members live 
you know, that connection that you make. Because I think that that's probably a big part of doing these live poetry readings and connecting with people online, you know, performing for crowds of hundreds at a conference or an event or in a bar or in a, in a, a venue um, to talking to 30 people on camera on, on Facebook. Um, we know it's possible to make connections online. I mean, uh, a lot of my, um, you know, good friends, um, you know, I'm deeply connected with and spend virtually all my time with them online. How different does that feel to you? And what has been your experience the last 17 months trying to foster those connections? Well, I'm a spoken word poet, right? So I'm not just a, I'm not just a poet. I'm not just somebody who makes his living just writing about the, the moon. Um, I also, I also take these poems and I, and I present them. Like I, I went to drama school. I studied with the RSC in Oxford for a summer, and I'm a sort of a frustrated actor. Uh, we had uh, Jeremy Irons come to speak to us and say, for God's sakes, if there's anything else that you can do besides becoming an actor, do it. And I thought, I could, well, I've always wanted to be a poet. So if he says being an actor is too hard, I've got poetry to fall back on. Um, that's not quite how it worked. I was a, I was a, I was a teacher for many years in, in, in between, but, um, but my, I feel like my, my, my bread and butter is that I make poetry come alive uh, before a live audience. And then that's a little bit awkward when they're, you know, you don't have live audiences. So there's, there's a different skill set to master, um, now you're going to be you're going to be releasing this as a podcast, but you use the platform. We're recording this on a platform called Squadcast, so the three of us can see each other um, on a uh, on a on the screen. And uh, and I know that Mike, when I'm this is this is you know, this is going to be weird for your for your listeners, but Mike, this is me looking at you, and Brad, this is me looking at you. But if I'm per, if I knew that you were performing this, um, you know, using the video then I spend the entire time looking there, right? You notice the difference of me looking at the tiny little camera and not at you. Like, do you know, um, you know the difference when you get a selfie from somebody, when you can tell that they are, um, they've sort of progressed beyond selfie 101. Uh, most selfies, you can sense in the person's eyes that they're looking at themselves in the monitor they're not looking at the lens at the lens, at the lens of the camera. Selfie, like advanced selfie technology, is when you uh, is when you count one, two, three, and then you look away. Like I yeah. didn't take this selfie. You know, this is yeah. this is me looking cute off to the side. When in fact, two seconds before that, you had been looking right. Probably not even at the lens. Right top now, so. tier selfie game. Right, right, right. Um, so I mean there. To, to sort of answer the question you didn't quite ask, um, we've all been learning how to do um, Zoom and, and other and other other platforms. And, and there are a couple of things that I like about online readings. For instance, I've read to a lot of schools that I wouldn't have been able to, they wouldn't have been able to afford me. Um, or I just, I wouldn't have gotten there so there were a couple of schools in upstate New York in the beginning um, days of the of the quarantine. 
my my wife and my two kids and I escaped to to uh, from Brooklyn where I live and where I'm talking to you now, uh, up to Connecticut, up in Litchfield County, where my parents built a a, a house inside of a 200 year old barn in 1969. And uh, we'd just been going there for summers and weekends, and there was nobody there. You know, it was mid-March, and there was nobody, nobody there. And so we, um, we, we escaped from Brooklyn um, just yeah. as, like, right before the New York Times published an article about how New Yorkers are spreading the virus by leaving New York. And, you know, we were, we were part of that wave of people who were just fleeing the city before anybody knew really what was going on. We spent 71 days in, uh, straight in this, uh, in this big old barn in, in Litchfield County where I, where I haven't spent that much time straight since probably since I was 15. You know, because when I got six, when I was sixteen, I got my driver's license, and I didn't have to stay there. I could go visit <laughs> friends in Massachusetts, and so. But I got to. I did a gig. I taught a workshop at, at this um, small school in upstate New York, and I, 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 I never would have gotten there. And so I've done a lot of readings for places that I would never get to, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But, mm. but the over to 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 answer the. The main thrust of your question, it's horrible. It's horrible. I, I, I miss the connection. I miss the connection that I get when I'm performing in front of an audience. And that, there are certain lines in certain of my poems. One of my, one of my um, sort of, my most anthemic poem uh, about teaching is What Teachers Make. Uh, but there's another one of my poems uh, about teaching that is sort of an anthem, and it's called Miracle Workers. Uh, Sunday nights, I lie in bed awake as all teachers do and wait for sleep to come as though sleep were the last student in my class to arrive. That's how the poem begins. Except when I was uh, uh, on a tour of the United Arab Emirates, because apparently uh, in the UAE and many Arabic speaking uh, countries, uh, they don't, they, I, I, might, I might be getting this wrong, but they, they, they don't want to have um, the same weekend as uh, Jews and Christians. So yeah. they go th to school on Sunday. On Sunday, that's right. Did yeah. you did you teach in the UAE? No, but I have a good friend who who does. Uh, he's a school director in in Dubai, and uh, I was completely thrown off that we were talking on a Sunday, and he was talking to me in a Zoom call from his office at right. school because he was at work that day. And I was like, what the hell are you doing there yeah. on a Sunday? Yeah. And he's like, I'm, well, dude, I'm working. You just, you reminded <laughs> me that um, the, the, I, I've, I've taught at about 50 American schools, um, international schools all, all around the world. And, um, and the one thing that I know about the, uh, about the faculty of American schools and international schools is that they are more likely to be Canadian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it seems to be a really popular with, uh, uh, job. Uh, with you know, with the Canadians, it is. yeah, to be I know popping. a number of Canadians who are your of your friend who's gonna who's the head of the school in in Dubai is gonna go to Hong Kong next, and in five years he's gonna be in Nairobi. You know, they they stay three years at one school and then they go to the next. So I was in in um, in the UAE or, or Qatar or something like that. I, I when I did that poem metaphor, uh, uh, miracle workers, I had to say you know. Um, Saturday nights, I, I lie a bed, in bed awake, as all teachers do. <laughs> awesome. And so there's a, there's, a, 
there's a line in that poem where I talk about um, a student in my class uh, digging around in his backpack for a pen and how uh, teachers are people who give you what you need before you even realize that you, you need it. That's, that's sort of one of the, one of the lines. Um, I'm a teacher, that's what we do. Uh, thank you for the compliment. Teachers, you know, are people, I, I gave you what you need. All I did was give you what you needed before you knew you needed it. So, so I see that, and this is based on a math class I was teaching. I, my, my, English, my degree is in English, but I taught math at the last school where I taught. And um, it, was, it was actually based on a, on a, he was looking for a calculator. The, you know, the kids were allowed to bring their own calculators. But if they forgot, I had a stash of about half a dozen calculators that I could loan out. Um, and I would say, here, you didn't, you need a calculator? Fine, give me your shoe. And so they give me their shoe and I give them a calculator to make sure they don't walk off with the calculator, right? <laughs> so this kid, Nicholas Latcher, is, uh, is digging around and I know, I know in 30 seconds he's going to say, Mr. Molly, can I borrow one of your calculators? So I just pull one out of my desk and I go and I put it on his desk, on, on his desk. And, uh, and he's sure enough, he raises his hand and says, Mr. Molly, you know, can I borrow your calculator? And I, and I got, and the whole class saw me do it. And they're all looking at me and I'm looking at him like, did you really not see that there's a calculator right in front of you that I put there? And I was able to say, you already possess everything you require to succeed. <laughs> and he looked at it and thought, oh my God, you're a miracle worker, which is how I bring the title of the poem in. But there's a, but there's a line in that poem where I, you know, she, I made it, I changed it to a pen because when you're writing a poem, there's, you're under no obligation to, to repeat the facts like a journalist, right? I'm allowed to, poetic license, I'm allowed to change the facts of a circumstance if it's going to make a better poem. And, um, and so I, I give her the pen and she doesn't see it. And there, there's a line where when I'm performing the poem live, I can get a laugh out of looking up at the ceiling pretending to be the girl going, oh my God, how did you deliver this pen to me? And, and she looks up at the ceiling and the audience laughs. And that, I haven't had that connection yeah. with an audience, you know, in 18 months. Hmm. There, there are a couple of other benefits to Zoom things that we could talk about, but that, that's a long answer to your question. It's terrible, it's I, I terrible. Can... I could let you give us long answers to questions for like oh, the next day and a half. That's and be very totally sweet. Content with my life. That's very but sweet. I, I do have a question kind of along the lines, like sort of a lot of the veins of what you just hit on. Like you said, you, you do spoken word poetry, you do performance. Um, and to kind of tease the audience, you might even have a poem for us that's currently unreleased. You might be able to share in a little bit, but that kind of plays into my question of when you're writing poetry is for you is the performance in the writing process or does the performance come after the fact uh, excellent question and mm -hmm. and i uh, last week i interviewed one of my new favorite poets maggie smith whose fourth book of poetry called goldenrod just came out she's got like 14 uh online uh, interviews you know in the next 15 days she gets one day off and um 
and we got to the rocket round and I asked her questions like, is recreational marijuana legal in Ohio? Do you mow your own lawn? Uh, whose, whose birthday is, is, whose 87th birthday is going to be uh, December 28th uh, in, of this year? And she was like, uh, the other Maggie Smith? I'm like, that's correct. Um, but one of the questions I like to ask is almost the one you asked. But for me, I say uh, performance is part of the editing process. It's not, I don't, I try to banish the part of my brain that is a performer um, when, I'm, when I'm writing. And I'm just, uh, I'm trying to surprise myself a little bit when I'm writing. And, um, and I'm looking at line breaks, you know. I'm an old slam poet, and slam poets often, um, first, <laughs> in the early 90s, slam poets uh, came out because we wanted to have things to sell at the Poetry Slam to pay for our beer. Um, and so a lot of us put out CDs and, hey, I'm a slam poet. Here's my DVD because I'm super technological. And I think I almost, uh, I never actually came out. Here's my mini disc. Mini disc? This is the height of technology. This will never get replaced. That's fancy. Uh, but um, uh, how did I start talking about CDs? Um, you um, Slam poets and performance as part of editing. Yeah, the the uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I uh, but but uh, but I do know I run a series in New York. At least I used to run a series in New York called Page Meets Stage, where the Pulitzer Prize meets the Poetry Slam. We're at the Bowery Poetry Club. Uh, we've been at a couple other venues, but you can you can you can search on YouTube Page Meets Stage, and you'll get about a hundred videos from the last fifteen years of me putting up uh, on stage. Two poets, one who writes from a more page-bound uh, perspective, more traditional poet. Nobody likes to be called an academic poet, but a lot of them teach in the academy, so what am I going to call you? Um, and then, and then, slam poets, more spoken word poets uh, like me. And uh, we got we got um, three types of pairings. There's the the mentor pairing. The very first uh, pairing of Page Meet Stage was. Uh, November 12th, 2005, and it was me with my mentor, Billy Collins. And I and that some of those videos are on, on YouTube. And so I am very much in the in the school of Billy Collins. He is a mentor to me. And then you've got um, what we call uh, birds of a feather, which is where, yeah, you know, the poets are about the same age, about the same level of success. Not One is not the mentor of the other. They, they both write from the same perspective. Maybe they know of each other, but they're definitely going to be good friends after the evening is over. And then the third type of pairing we have is called uh, apples and oranges, or what would happen if, where we take just completely different, like this person is an uptight academic poet and this person is a, you know, drunk, wayward performance poet. What do you think would happen if we put them in the same room on the same stage for 90 minutes? And those have been some of our best mm. and all of our worst uh, <laughs> pairings. But one of the questions that I like, because we always do a Q&A, one of the questions I like to ask them is, if you finish a poem and then you read it to an audience and you find that it doesn't get the reaction that you thought, do you change the poem or is that just their loss? And that's a, that's a, a very, um, what's the litmus test? It's like a litmus test to see who has the soul of a performance poet because a performance poet will view the act of performance 
as part of the editing process. And I, I think mm. nine, times, nine times out of 10, a spoken word or performance poet, if they didn't get the reaction that they wanted, a couple of times in a row would realize, okay, I'm either not performing that line right or else the, not, the line's not right. I can change the line. When I was interviewing Maggie Smith, that was one of my questions. Is for you the act of performance part of the editing process or does an audience only hear a poem after it's finished? And she said the latter, whereas I embody the former. Super interesting. I um, One of my favorite videos on the entire internet, and I watch it all the time, even though I know exactly how it ends, um, is, um, and it's amazing, just, it's mind-blowing even thinking of it, the day Maggie Rogers, the, the, the singer Maggie Rogers got discovered, um, was, was in a class, um, she was in, a, in her music um, creation class, and they had Pharrell come as a, as a guest to kind of um, listen to their music, their pieces. Each, each student got to show a, um, got to play Pharrell a piece of music and, and Pharrell would give them notes, like just ideas, thoughts on what he had um, just listened to. And so Maggie Rogers is sitting beside Pharrell and their teachers on the other side and his face just changes from the start to the end, and he's almost crying by the end. And this is Pharrell, and he's like a pretty cool dude, um, but he's his his head is exploding in real time while he's listening to Maggie Rogers' music. And what I thought of was that, you know, he knew right away, like he knew that she was a star. And this was like, she was like, I'm going to play you this. I'm still working on it. I'm not sure it's completely done. And he listened to it and, and she was signed within six months. She, I, I saw her open for Mumford and Sons just before the pandemic hit. Like she's a star now. Um, but she was discovered, you know, by Pharrell in this, you know, music class in New York City. And so I was curious it, it brought me to this this question this idea is there is you know is there certain traits or a set of traits or something is there a thing um that makes people more adept at writing poetry and and how would you know if someone had those qualities like when you see because you see lots of students who are learning and have you ever read someone and went, holy shit, this is, you've got it. Like, this is it. Um, and what do you think that those, are there, is there something? Like, what is that thing? And and I guess the second part of this question is, do you, do you think that there are qualities, like, for performing poetry that are in the same idea? Like, um where where you hear someone delivering their poetry and you go whoa you're you're the next um i'm curious you know your thoughts on on both the the writing and the and the delivery okay first of all there's a small part of me that who that um there's a small part of me um that was dismayed when i realized that your question which began 
one of my favorite videos online. I thought you were. And it be, wasn't going to be about you. I thought it, I really thought it was going to be mine. One of mine. I just I just have to I just have to acknowledge I have to acknowledge that part of me that that the whose heart is broken in. because I thought it was like oh is it. Uh, how falling in love is like owning a dog? Is it on girls lending pens? Let me guess. It's undivided oh, sure. attention. Is it that one? Is it that one? Okay. But then when I realized, all right, it's not about me, um, which is a, which is something <laughs> go, I tell myself. Go watch that video, Taylor. Trust me. It's, okay, Maggie, it's, it's, Maggie Rogers, and and Pharrell. And Pharrell, I yes, will because I love, I love videos like that. I love yeah. any video that says five times a fan blew the mind of the lead singer. You know, <laughs> they say that Kate Bush, Kate Bush got discovered because Peter Gabriel was at the front of his concert, you know, and like extending the microphone out to like, who wants to sing along of Salisbury Hill? And she, and she grabbed the mic and he's like, wait a second, you come up here. <laughs> um, there's a video of uh, uh, that, that, um, uh, Michael Bublé. Uh, there's a video of Michael Bublé. Uh, this mom says, "Would you, would you please sing with my, with my son? He's 15 years old. Today's his birthday." And he's like, "Okay, fine. Bring him down here." And it turns out the kid can sing. And he's like, yeah. and, "And Michael Bublé has a potty mouth." And he's like, "Holy shit balls! Let's, <laughs> let's, oh my god!" And and it's and it's and it's really good. I love videos like that of like yeah. watching somebody get discovered. Yeah. I if love, you go back and listen closely, you'll actually hear Taylor click his pen like and start to uh, write down the title of the video before we get to the question. Like he, I could see him do it on the video. <laughs> like if you go back and listen, you'll hear it. <laughs> like you'll hear this. Yep. <laughs> and he wrote down the video information so we could look it up later. No, I was I just, it. I did, I did. And I'm, I, I was making notes as Mike was asking his question. So I love videos like that. Um, and then you said, what, what is that thing? Have I ever taught a student and thought, um, oh my goodness. I'll tell you what I do, what I do see because I'm, I'm there to teach and I'm teaching them to write better poems. And then if the class goes well, uh, by the end of the class, we can talk a little bit about how to present the poems better. Let me answer the second, the last question first. I never see anybody perform their poems and say, you are it. Because it is so unnatural to arrive at the necessary voice for presenting poetry. I like to say the first six lessons of public speaking, especially poetry, are louder, slower and clearer. And then that's that's the first three. Those are also the fourth, five, fifth and sixth because it's <laughs> just so hard. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I once had a student who uh, I, I had said, okay, loud, slow, clear. It's Bobby's turn to read and he gets up and he goes, on the wall of my room, there is a map of Vietnam. I said, Bobby, remember what we said, loud, slow, clear. Oh, sorry, Mr. Molly. On the wall of my room, there is a map of Vietnam. I said, Bobby, that was exactly the same. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Marley. I didn't know you actually wanted me to do what you said. Okay, you want loud, slow, clear? You got it. Ready? Watch out. Cover your ears. Here we go. On the wall of my room, there is a map of Vietnam. And I was like, Bobby, come on. What are we doing? What are we doing here? If you are not going to do what, what, uh, what, what you say you're going to do, what I want you to teach. So finally, Bobby goes, on the wall of my room, there is a map of, oh my God. And he sits down and I said, why did you stop? And he said, and these are literally his words, wasn't I screaming? Didn't I sound stupid? 
and I said to the class, raise your hand if you think Bobby was screaming and sounded stupid. And no one, except for Bobby's best friend, raised their hand. Because the <laughs> truth is, when you are speaking poetry in the appropriate voice, and I don't mean the sing-song equality that people get into in the late 90s when they are reading their poetry, but when you are simply wanting the words that you have spent so much time perfecting to take center stage, the way that you as the author take a step back is to be loud, slow, and clear. So loud that you think you are screaming. So slow that you think people are going to say, get on with it, get on with it. And so clear that you think people are going to be annoyed with your best pronunciation, but they never are. So part of what I'm teaching, no, that, that does just does not come to anybody naturally. Uh, so I've never listened to anybody perform and say, oh my God, you are, you are the next thing. Maybe that's coming, maybe that's coming. But I'll tell you what I have often witnessed, and this is great, is when a student uh, is afraid to have their classmates read a line because they feel like they've revealed a little too much of themselves. Uh, I, teach a, I teach a workshop based on a poem by former U.S. Poet Laureate Ted Kooser, K-O-O-S-E-R, and it's called uh, Abandoned Farmhouse. And he walks around in a, uh, the, the persona walks around an abandoned farmhouse and lets the objects of around him speak to, to, to sort of give you clues of who lived there. And so I have the students write a poem like this themselves, like go to your room and, and pick 10 things. What do these things say about you? So they come into class one day and, uh, I, I collect the poems and I give them to my assistant. I had an assistant. And the assistant was supposed to go outside in the hallway and pick three that we were going to workshop in class. And, and the rest, they all know that, they're, that I'll, if you don't get your poem chosen to get a workshop in class, I will give it a good, a good response uh, at night. So that you, you win either way. Um, so as soon as I send all the poems out with AJ, my assistant, uh, this this kid, Topher, comes up and says, Mr. Marley, I don't, I just don't think, I think my poem, I don't think it's ready. I was like, what are you trying to say? He said, I don't want my poem to be chosen to be workshopped. And I said, that's out of my, it sucks to be you. I gave the poems to AJ. He's going to be the one to choose. All right. So I take them through a, a writing workshop at the end of the, I mean, a little writing exercise to begin the morning. Um, AJ comes in and says, Topher, we're definitely doing yours. Topher hangs his head mm. with what he is sure. He's a, he's a 10th grade boy. Mm. And he's sure that this is the end of his life. And he, the line that he didn't want his classmates to hear was this, as far as I remember it. Uh, the half-drunk bottle of whiskey in the lowest drawer of his desk says that he is not the good boy his parents think he is. And there was a palpable, can a gasp, can a gasp be palpable? There was a, a appreciable gasp from the audience, from the, from the rest of the class as they realized, oh my goodness, that was everybody's favorite line. Mm. 
And uh, this one girl said, I didn't know we could write about things that were important. I was like, oh, my God, have I not been doing my job right? (laughs) Absolutely, you should be writing about things that are important. Um, So I want to say, you said, what do I... What do I tell people? I tell people to write a poem. Uh, write me lines that that begin with the line, you should probably know. Like ever, for me, the confessional kind of poetry that, that I write, um, you can always hear the poet saying, you should probably know this. I, I should probably tell you that the half-drunk bottle of whiskey in the bottom of my closet drawer, uh, uh, of my desk drawer says he is not the good boy his parents think. Um, You should be writing stuff that is important. And um, it's about revealing. Uh, I have this theory of poetics that I've never quite, I should write an essay about this, but I I call it the revealing theory. And that... um, Writing a poem is, involves four steps. The first is to reveal. You need to reveal something about yourself. Uh, and then you need to uh, revile in it. Like, find, be disgusted. Be disgusted by what you just revealed. And then flip the script and revel in it. And change it and go, no, you know what? You know what? That's, that's what I thought. That's who I am. I'm going to revel in it instead of revile in it. And then lastly, you, you put a new veil over it. You sort of reveil it. So a lot of the poems that I write are excavating an embarrassing truth and then, um, and then putting a new, a new veil on it. Hope that answers your question. We're building this virtual community of educators who share an interest in game design and teaching new skills. We will use this space to connect, collaborate, and innovate with Sandbox. That's Sebastian Bourget. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer at The Sandbox. This community is here to provide guidance, support, feedback, and suggestions on how to best use The Sandbox within the context of teaching and learning how to make video games. It allows also to connect experts and educators bringing together existing creators and members of the Sandbox game platform community with professional educators. The Sandbox community has grown into a vibrant space of 100 plus educators. How can you get involved? More to come later in the episode. So so you've created a a product um, that I'm super fascinated And, and Brad as you know, Brad has this, which is, you know, you know, all equally shocking and not at the same time. Like, I mean, it was <laughs> like, I'm completely unsurprised. Um, you've created this thing called Metaphor Dice. So, so talk about what Metaphor Dice are, because they seem really friggin' cool. And, and I'm, I'm about to go buy some. Oh, good. Um, oh, good. So, so, so tell some, tell the folks what, what Metaphor Dice are, why you created it you know, and what, you know, what they're all about. Metaphor dice are uh, 12 dice, uh, four of each uh, of three different colors, red, white, and blue. Um, And uh, you you roll them and you arrange them, red, white, and blue. Uh, And the reds are all big nouns, big nouns, uh, big things, concepts that might need ideas, things that might need a metaphor. 
Uh, and the whites are the adjectives, and the blues are the smaller nouns. And if you put them all together, you get an instant metaphor. Like here, I've got a couple set up for a, an event that I'm having on, on Thursday, August 5th. The truth is a broken trophy. Your mother is a desperate wonder. What is hope? Hope is a mad drum. Who has not lain awake at night and listened to the beat of the mad drum of hope? So students who say, I don't know what to write about, that's a, that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate um, problem. I, I yeah. don't know what to write about. So this doesn't, metaphor dice don't write the first line for you, but they give you a good idea for a first line. And it, it started because I was teaching a workshop, 2016, I was teaching a workshop um, where I basically have students uh, create a list of abstract nouns and concrete nouns and adjectives. And then I have to explain the difference between an abstract noun, this is a, a thing you can't touch, it's an idea, it's a concept, loyalty, love, happiness, these are all abstract nouns. And a concrete noun is something humbler, it's smaller, it's a, a pencil, a broken pencil. Um, and then the adjectives, they all get that. And you pick one from each column and there's a metaphor that maybe you want to explore. And I came upon this girl and I said, why aren't you, uh, why aren't you getting involved in the, in the workshop? And you know, I'm just I'm just a poet from Brooklyn. I'm the I'm the ponytailed. I used to have a ponytail. Uh, the ponytailed poet from Brooklyn come in to wherever I'm been invited to 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 be the guest speaker, and uh, and they some students think if I can just like tough my way through this hour, then I'll go back to my regular class and I don't have to do this. So this girl was like, I don't want to do this, and I said, What's wrong? She said, I'm really more of a math science person. And I, you know, I taught math, I taught math. And I said, well, that's okay. And I don't know where I came up with this, but I said, a metaphor is really just an equation between a big thing and a small thing. It's a way of saying this equals that, at least for the length of this poem. For instance, pick three words from the board. And she said, my father, broken mirror. I was like, okay, my father, is your father still alive? She's like, I don't know, maybe. I was like, okay, so does it feel better to say my father was a broken mirror? She's like, yeah. I said, okay, my father was a broken mirror. Nobody would think you meant that literally, right? You, you mean, that's a figurative expression. That's a metaphor. He wasn't really a broken mirror, but he was like a, a broken mirror. And so your job is to explain how that was true. And she said, I think I can do that. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll come back in five minutes. Use the expression, which is to say. And so I came back, and this is um, um, as close as to what she wrote as I can remember. I'm plagiarizing now. <laughs> My father is a broken mirror, which is to say he's been shattered into a thousand pieces. He's hard to hold without cutting yourself. My mother says he is seven years of bad luck. But even in the smallest pieces, I can still recognize my own reflection. Now, you asked, you asked, when have I ever said, oh my goodness, you, you've got it? Like that was, that was one of those moments where I said, that is amazing. She said, what do I need to do to turn that into a poem? I said, nothing. That is a poem already. And I left that class thinking, I got to, in, if only there were a way to get more students to that point. Yeah without having to spend 25 minutes explaining the difference between a concrete noun and an abstract noun. And that's how I came up with metaphor dice. So it's 12 dice 
and you know, 24 reds, 24 different reds, whites, and blues. So the total number of unique metaphors is 24 to the third power, which is like 13,824 in one box. And uh, it just sort of blows uh, uh, writer's, writer's block out of the water. And, uh, you know, some are good, some are not. And you, um, but you, but you, you have a metaphor that might uh, spark you to, to to write something that you wouldn't have otherwise. Cool. You teachers know. take teachers need to take note that those those would be a cool cool classroom. Well, I, I've I, used I, them I in classrooms. I've used them. In How do they go? Class. How do they go? Awesome. I've used them in classes. I've also used them in writing sessions when I was doing NaNoWriMo stuff. So with other adult writers, I've used them all the time. I would take the sets and I'd just give like little small groups, three of one yeah. of each type of dice. Yeah, that's all you need. But I also, like, I think there's something, and I, I think elementary teachers will understand this, but there's something about the physical. First of all, oh, a metaphor is the absolutely. opposite 100%. of physical to me, yeah. but then physically having the dice and then rolling them. And I, and I have to tell this because it's, of all the things my podcast created before I got to on ed, the probably the quintessential moment is the 15 minutes that I spent writing poetry with Taylor Molly. Um, and I was, you might've heard it on the audio as I was going through my book. I actually still have sitting next to my desk, the poem that I wrote while oh, we good. were talking. Oh, and good. the metaphor we ran up, what came up with is your mother is a sinful wedding gown, which I still think is just like an awesome metaphor <laughs> and may not even be one that's on the, the dice at this point, but I just, it's such a cool, and you and I both wrote poetry about it. And there's something powerful about like, even starting from the same prompt and yeah. then coming up with such vastly different responses. Oh, it's well, wow. that's what we're doing on Thursday. That's what we're doing on Thursday. Also, hashtag not an ad. Um, <laughs> but I just, I have to put that out there. Like, I just genuinely I don't think, think these are really cool. Do you have dice that's, that have sinful? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, then you're, then you're right. You, you do have a set. That you, is, sent, uh, you sent me a set when I asked you to be on the show, and then I bought a set. So I have, like, the actual purchasable set. And then I have, When did like, I send you a set? Edition. When did I send you a set? Uh, I don't have dates on this note, so I'm not. But I mean, was it before sure. 2018? Yeah, it was probably before they officially released, or right around the time they officially released. Okay, yeah. So you got you got one of the earliest prototype uh, sets. Sinful. Oh, I was told not to put Metaphor sinful dice. on the uh, on the dice. Uh, oh. Things that were just overly uh, uh, that sort of skirted um, skewed religious. Uh, so I had to get rid of sinful. I had to get rid of. Uh, uh, my soul is, which I didn't mind. I don't uh, I like soul. When a kid mentions soul, anybody who mentions their soul in a poem has lost me almost already. Um, yeah. So no, you're right. You're right. I, I thought you were. I thought you were talking in in the first edition of the dice. Uh, I didn't want to put death, so my friend said, "Well, why, why don't you make one of the red dice be death? Death is not." And so, uh, but then, and then in the next draft, I was like, no, you know what? I'm a poet. I have to write about death. So it went back to death. And, uh, and then do you have the, do you have the purple, little purple set of the big, uh, bigger vocab words? No, I don't have that. Okay. Now now I feel like I need something for my collection. Yeah, you do. You do. I I will make sure that you guys get that. And and I should say, um, metaphordice.com is the, is the website. And, um, Anybody who goes there can buy, obviously, a set for themselves. Hashtag, this is not an advertisement. Um, But they can, as they are checking out, they can buy a set for a random teacher that they will, uh, who who will never get to thank them. Um, My business partner, he's the one with the MBA, um, said, you know what? People, 
People want to be generous, and our job is to help them be generous. So let's offer them a less than half price option as they're checking out to, you know, give a set to a random teacher who and we'll we'll keep track of a list. And he and I said, but how are they gonna how are they gonna trust us that we do it? He's like, they're not, they're not, they're gonna just do it. And we've given over a thousand sets of That's metaphor awesome. dice. That to, makes me happy. I, I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. So Taylor, you suggested um, at the outset uh, of this that you have done some new work. And you, before we went live, you had said that you were willing to share some of that, um, which is, I mean, incredibly exciting. Um, so if you if you have, a, you said you had a couple poems or at least one or whatever, um, I'd love... I'd love that. I'd love okay. to hear. I'd love to hear what you've been working on. All right, uh, I'm working on a on a a, a poem called a, a, a manuscript called "Not Beyond Repair," and that's the working title. And um, this first poem is uh, is from that collection, and it's called "Making Sense of the World." My son tried three times to ask me for something, but never got further than "Daddy, can I um." Can I, um, can I, um, so I asked him if Kanayam was a new kid in his class because there already is both a Kanaya and a Nyan, and it seemed like a pretty good guess and an awesome dad joke all rolled into one. And that was the day that Kanayam Buttsworth was born. And yes, his last name is Buttsworth. And it turns out that he is not in my son's class, but he's rather the central actor in the common history he is creating for himself. Not so much an imaginary friend as someone he can mention casually in conversation as having done things that my son has only ever heard about. For instance, you might not know this, but Kanayam Buttsworth goes to work every day at a.m. p.m. o'clock. Why? Because someone has to pay for the money. Kanayam Buttsworth is a fireman, a policeman, an astronaut, and a great white shark. Kanayam Buttsworth likes blackberries, pirate booty, and bubble baths with his little sister. Incidentally, Kanayam Buttsworth has both a penis and a gina. It's true, because Kanayam Buttsworth is five years old, but also six, a hundred, and the same age as daddy, which is like 40, 20, 60 years old. Kanayam Buttsworth once jumped off the top of the Empire State Building and died like Abraham Lincoln of ballistic trauma. He also died of pleurisy like Benjamin Franklin a long, long time ago, like 40, 20, 60 years ago. But now he is alive and well and living in Seattle with grandma and grandpa. If dreams are where the mind churns and jumbles through the flotsam of the recent past, then the person who does that for my son while he is awake is none other than Buttsworth, Kanayam Buttsworth. And if I sometimes embellish his exploits, it's only because I love saying his name. And poetry is... And poetry is what does that for me, how I make sense of the world when I am need, in need of healing that I cannot find elsewhere. Which reminds me that Kanayam Buttsworth is a widower who didn't know if he would ever find love again or have children, whose heart was shattered into 40, 20, 60 pieces. But somehow he has survived. And he wears a mask 
made out of his own underpants, and he peers through the leg holes with x-ray eyes, because, as you have no doubt figured out by now, Kanayam Buttsworth is a superhero. Hello, did I mention he has a penis and a gina? Kanayam Buttsworth can fly underwater, and he writes poems, too, and he can fix anything, just like you, Daddy. Just like you. That's one. All right. I'm going to oh. stop and take a drink. Take... There, there's something like inherently you about that. There's something about your right. And I don't know. I mean, everybody has their style, but there's something about that that just screams you. No, like, I don't know. I don't know what else. That's not an intelligent thing. to say. It's some kind of a compliment, but I just, I, that's what I got. Do you have, do you have little kids? Uh, my son is nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so you went through that before I went did. through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have a five-year-old who is, He's going through right. the Canaan Buttsworth. Yeah, he's right there. He's got it. You got to have somebody. Yeah, like, I was hey. feeling a lot of that. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Um, well, there's a poem that I just finished today that I haven't actually finished, uh, put down in words. It's about six lines and it goes, it's called Love Balloons. And it goes, uh, may, my, may my children never learn. Or if they do, let it not be soon. That every time, every morning you and I make love. I come home in the afternoon with my hands full of balloons. I just noticed that I, I, uh, every time my wife and I have sex, I buy balloons for the kids. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? There's a poem. There's a poem right here. And they're like, Daddy, balloons. Why did you get us balloons? Oh, my oh. God. You got us balloons last week, too. I'm like, I know. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make sure that your kids find a way to play this back in 10 years. Oh, I know. They're gonna, well, no, you know no, what? No. If I publish a poem about it, they're going to go, wait a minute. Is that why we had sex? So many balloons back in, in the early 2020s. It's like, yeah, there was a pandemic. Um, the code. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So good. Here's a poem. Here's a poem. Um, I, 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 I finished this draft yesterday. Uh, I think it's going to be called Breathless in the Chase. And it's about my uh, ex-wife. And the first line came to me and there are a whole lot of W's in the first line. And I love the sound of it, the music of it. And then I quickly realized... You got to stop that. You got to, that's, that's, that's enough. That's enough to play with. And now, and now uh, do something else. Um, so this is the first time I've ever read this out loud um, for, for anybody live. And this is called Breathless in the Chase. Once I watched whales with a wife and wondered whether she would leave. Not because we never made love when the dives were done. After all, the sun was hot and the days were long and the waves, like the song of the whales, rocked us to sleep each night in the bed on board the boat we shared, which was barely big enough for one. Can you hear me doing at the end of that stanza with B's, what I started out doing with W's? <laughs> Once I watched whales with a wife and wondered whether she would leave, not because we never made love when the dives were done. After all, the sun was hot and the days were long and the waves like the song of the whales rocked us to sleep each night in the bed on board the boat we shared, which was barely big enough for one. No, I wondered at her leaving in the movement of the whales, the bull, the calf, and the cow, and how at first they'd let themselves be seen, but then with hardly any movement from flipper, fluke, or fin, they would begin to dive or swim or disappear in any case and leave us breathless in the chase. I was the one who whined and wailed about how they always got away while she, my wife, 
would only smile and close her eyes as if to say, there's nothing that I would not give to live that life, to move that way. So in, in that poem, you can see I'm, you know, revealing I, I, the whale watching trip. I could see in the whale watching trip that this was not going to last. She was going to mm. go. She was going to go. And uh, but I kind of, I, you know, I. I'm the one at the end of the poem, I'm the one that's whining. You know, I'm giving her this. I read this to my current wife. She's like, wow, you really let her off easy, didn't you? I was like, yeah, but you know what? Nobody wins when you write a poem attacking your ex-wife. You know. <laughs> anyway, those are two two poems, one last year and one just this week. Fantastic. That's awesome. Oh, so cool. Uh, well, Taylor, I, so much thank you. It's so awesome to have had you and just get to talk to you. And I, I'm so excited for people to hear this and just like, be in the awe I find myself in uh, at the moment. So and you're uh, and you're gonna run this. You're gonna run this bef- likely before August fifth. Yeah, I think we're gonna. Let's see. What's today? The second. We'll mm. probably. Hopefully. hopefully. Then let me you then, take a day. Let me put in. Let me put in one one pitch for yep. for metaphor die, which is to say, which is an online uh, event that I'm hosting at eight thirty Eastern. Uh, Metaphor Die, which is to say, has two poets, two rappers, and two stand-up comedians all responding to the dice. And we'll roll the dice, they choose a metaphor, so and then good. before they come back and offer what they've been writing, we're gonna go, we're all gonna turn to the chat screen and say, All right, if you've got a line that you that you wrote, drop it now. And we all we're gonna spend 30 seconds like reading what people put in the chat. And I'm hoping that the you know that the the the, the invited artists, whoever competing that round, are gonna go, oh shit, who wrote that line? And then we're yeah. gonna go. And here's something you can do. I, I hinted at this earlier. Here's something that Zoom offers to a to a, a online reading that you can't do live. And that is we can say at the top of the show, if you're the type of person who likes to participate. Figure out how to raise your hand digitally and put it in the you know upper corner. And you can leave your hand raised for the entire 90 minutes. And if you come up with a line that the artists love and they want to meet you, we're going to go and check to make sure that your camera is on. And if your hand is raised, we're going to invite you uh, on screen and you will compete against them and you will be the chosen one. So anybody who's interested in going that can, can register quickly for as little as a dollar just go go sir can 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 i give you a link that you can p- yeah. post here yeah it'll be in the okay. show notes for sure all right then the ticket the 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 event ticket bright uh link will be will be there and uh come drop a couple of lines in the chat and blow us away i love it i love it well taylor i again thank you uh before i, I appreciate that i hope people go check that out but also uh, how can they get a hold of you if they want to see more of your work and check out your stuff? Uh, there's more than you could ever possibly uh, want on, uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, one of my favorite compliments ever to get is from uh, parents of teenagers who say, I have not spoken a full sentence. My, my daughter has not spoken a full sentence to me in 18 months, but she just came to me and said, you've got to see this poem. And we watched your video and we spent nine, you know, two hours watching your videos on YouTube. So thank you for that. So search Taylor Molly. Uh, Molly spelled like the African country, M-A-L-I. Well, you're going to, they're going to, people are going to see that printed. And uh, taylormolly.com is my website. And um, you can follow me on Twitter, things like that. It's all the usual ways. 
Taylor Molly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Thank you, you, gentlemen. Bye-bye. The Sandbox is creating a learning ecosystem where educators can learn in weekly streams, bring ideas into their classrooms, collaborate with other educators, and become Sandbox ambassadors. Our goal through the stream is to show the world how low the barrier can be to teaching and learning game making through our no-code and accessible platform. Anyone can do it. Passion and education. You can feel it in the streams as we explore and share ideas around game design implementation in your teaching practice. Join the community to learn more at go.participate.com sandbox. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Brad Shuffler. My co-hosts are Mike Washburn and Glenn Irvin. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is Mr. Washburn on Twitter. Glenn can be found on Twitter at Spanish, And I can be found at Brad Streffler. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you would share it with them. Please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.